Well, hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. Um, it's been a busy week. I've been doing a lot of teaching uh, this week. Um, but it's also been a busy week because I've also been doing a lot of reading of the uh, submissions which have come in for our 12-month free mentorship. Um, a scheme which I launched uh, earlier this year, really thanks to... Um, uh, an idea which a good friend and founder of Miniclicks, Jim Stevenson, he was doing something similar, and I thought that sounded like a good idea. So it was a 12-month opportunity, I suppose, for free mentorship. And um, there's been well over 100 people who have submitted uh, some really interesting submissions, so I thank everybody who took part in that. I will be announcing uh, the winner uh, on Twitter and um, posting about that and the decision that I made and why I made that decision as to the specific person. And that all will be going on to the United Nations of Photography.com website. Um, interestingly enough, a number of the submissions are very broad, by the way, from, from beginners to students to established photographers. So, um, but what was very interesting to me was how many of the submissions came from students who were in their second year of studying photography at university and whose reasoning for applying for the mentorship was that they felt that what I'd be able to give them um, was industry experience, industry knowledge, industry know-how that they weren't receiving at university and that they felt that they needed that in their final year to actually, I suppose, launch them um, in their photographic careers. I suppose, in a way, just connects straight back to last week's podcast and a lot of things we were talking about. But as always, I'm not putting an opinion forward here. I'm purely uh, stating um, what I saw, what I've read, what I've received. I'm talking about uh, mentorship um, over the previous months years i've spoken out about paid for portfolio reviews um and that those comments um have led to an american online company um that does give portfolio reviews and have a number of very well respected people um on offer that you can choose to give yourself a, a review anyway this company reached out to me and said look why don't we give you a review for free and then you can see what you think about that this happened a few weeks ago, and it's been a busy few weeks, so I really haven't had a lot of time to get back on this. But what happened was that they, they gave me a, a free review. The person who actually runs the company, um, she gave the review because it was going to be for free, and she didn't feel comfortable um, putting that situation on one of her other reviewers who obviously are expecting to be paid. I chose a review of my website because it seemed to me that that's a, a logical starting point. And as somebody who writes about and has lectured for a long time on what makes a successful website, it seemed to be a, a good place to start. Anyway, I think if I remember rightly, it was around $150 for a website review. Um, and I went through the process of um, signing up and so forth. And giving the details of what my expectations were from this review. And very swiftly, I think within about 24 hours, I received, um, I think it was about half an hour, 25 minutes, half an hour, something like that, maybe 40 minutes. Anyway, an audio, an audio review of my website. I listened through it 
And um, yeah, at some points I thought, yeah, that, that makes sense. And there were some points in there that absolutely echoed my feelings about what makes a successful website. But there was also an awful lot in there that I felt um, slightly jarring with my knowledge and my experience. And so what I decided to do was actually to share that audio with some other art directors who I knew in New York and also in the UK, um, working for big international brands and working within editorial and advertising, um, and ask them to give me their opinions on the comments that were made so that I had a real kind of 360 review of it. The comments that came back were mainly in line with what I was feeling, um, some contradictory, but that's only to be expected. I think what was most important was that at the end of the review, what it left me with was a situation where I needed to ask more questions as to why these comments were being made. To do that, I was going to have to pay some more money and I would have been hooked into that whole kind of process of paying for information. And education, I suppose, um, is another way of seeing it. But anyway, it made me feel that way. It also reminded me of the time when back, um, I think probably about 20 odd years ago now, maybe slightly more, I was doing very well as a photographer um, with quite a few advertising clients. And that attracted a, a photography agent to contact me and say that they would like to represent me. Um, I looked at the photographers that they also represented and it seemed like a good a good idea at the time. So I agreed on a, on a, a trial um, basis. The moment I agreed, the agent wanted to redo my portfolio, relook at my work that I hadn't included in my portfolio, charge me for printing up new images. I went along with it and that portfolio was created. And I'll, I'll be completely honest at this point. I hated it. The portfolio that was created was created by the agent on what they thought was right and what they thought the industry needed. But I was already doing okay. I didn't need that reinvention. And I didn't agree with the reinvention. And I didn't agree with the process behind why certain images were being put forward in the portfolio. Put this one in, because that's going to appeal to them. Put this one in, because that might appeal to them. But actually, what I really wanted to do was to put in the images that I felt were my strongest, that were appropriate to me so that I could then show the work that was appropriate to me to the clients I felt were appropriate to me. I felt very similar after I'd had this online portfolio uh, website uh, review. Similar comments were being made um, that the person would like to see images that I wasn't showing, that I wasn't showing myself at my best and so on and so forth. As I say, by then sharing this audio with um, people who have huge experience in the industry and whom I trust, and hearing their responses, it confirmed what I thought. Actually, what I'd paid for was an opinion. Now, that may be an informed opinion, but it wasn't the only opinion. It wasn't a right 
by listening to a few other people, as I say, I kind of came to my own conclusions that, yeah, I could make that change or I could make that change. But no, I didn't need to change the template. I didn't need to change the provider for the website. I didn't have to go to these other providers that the people I spoke to in the industry felt were amateur and actually did not give a professional um, showcase window for the work that I was doing. When I give the mentorship um, to the people who um, I'm going to offer it to, this free mentorship, uh, I'm going to be coming to it from that point. Um, This is my opinion. You can disagree with it if you like. But the great thing is, you haven't paid for it. And if you want to ask me another question, you can for free. And we may agree and we may disagree, but that's okay because there's no financial transaction that's taken place. There's no expectation based on that payment. And there's no feeling that you can't ask another question because otherwise it's going to cost you more money. In a way, it felt a little bit to me like being hooked on the gambling machines in a betting shop. You keep putting a little bit more money in because you hope that what comes out of it is what you wanted. There are some photographers who I suppose in a way chart our our cultural development, our, our teenage years, those those moments when everything seems so much more precious precious and so much more important to us and actually kind of chart our cultural learning. This week's photographer contributing to um, what does photography mean to me certainly does that for me. He was there all the time I was buying the new Musical Express and The Face and I was working at Elle magazine in the 1980s. The name Derek Ridgers was always behind those images or alongside those images that caught my eye that were documenting youth youth culture and that whole tribal experience that was such a relevant part of the 70s 80s and 90s so it was great for me to get a yes from Derek when I asked him what does photography mean to you my name is Derek Ridges I'm 68 I'm a photographer and at this stage in my life that means editorial portraiture documentary portraiture and fashion but I never intended to become a photographer as a young man I didn't own a camera and in truth had little interest in photography at school my interests were football pop music and drawing I went to Ealing Art School and initially I wanted to be a painter but after my ground course here when I didn't make it into either the Slade or St Martin's I stuck it out at Ealing and switched over to graphic design and, in due course, advertising and marketing. So when I left art school in 71, I became an advertising agency art director. I loved that job and, for all I know, that could have been my entire career until one day I got put on the Minolta and Miranda SLR camera account. The creative director suggested I take a camera home with me and learn how to use it in order to help produce more effective ads. This was how I came to have a camera with me when I went to Eric Clapton's 
concert at the Rainbow in Finsbury Park in January 73. That night proved to be my photographic epiphany. I turned up with my girlfriend and we found we had seats in the very back row. But I had this camera with me. It was in the days before there was very much or any security at gigs. So I thought, why not go down the front? And rather unchivalrously, I left Joanne where she was, round down the front, hopped into the pit and pretended to be a photographer, simply at that point to get closer to the action. After which, I must admit, I got a bit of a taste for shooting rock concerts and, in due course, the audiences too. I started to photograph the people I saw around me everywhere, on the street and in clubs, skinheads, punks, new romantics, not at that point as a project, more of a hobby which I suppose gradually evolved into an obsession. Photography gradually took over my life, a bit like the portal in the film being John Malkovich. I fell into photography and my life was never quite the same again. From 77 onwards I started to take my photography more seriously and since 81 it's been my full-time job. But what does photography mean to me? Well, it's almost exactly the opposite of what Mark Vallée said in episode 15. I love the aesthetic and I don't consider myself to be a visual storyteller. I honestly don't think that term really fits me. There are stories in my work, but the story, if it exists at all, I feel is created in the mind of the viewer. In my opinion, it's just part of the verite process of photography. I love that process, which for me comes down to a series of binary decisions. And I see a key part of my role is simply to keep myself and my sensibilities out of the way of the process. Maybe it amounts to the same thing. I don't know. I'm certainly not trying to change the world. Just make a record of some of the people I meet. It's interesting when you look back on photography, how many uh, art directors have become photographers. Um, poacher become gamekeeper, or perhaps gamekeeper become poacher. Um, just look back at the work of people such as Hans Fuhrer or Eric Bowman. Um, they may not be names that you're aware of, but that... Um, basis of art direction um, does lead to a, a lot of uh, photographic um, understanding, I think. But then I would. I used to be an art director, then I became a photographer. Um, also interesting there, then, and thank you to Derek so much for, the, for that insight that he was referencing back to Mark Valley uh, in a previous podcast. Um, sort of makes me... Uh, feel that I should just remind you if you're just coming to this podcast that we've been going for quite a while now uh, almost a year and there's quite an archive of different photographers and different viewpoints um, as it should be d just open discussion different people disagreeing with each other and I know that Derek has sent me an email previously saying that he pretty much disagrees with everything I say but actually he likes the fact that what I do say um, makes him think about stuff and that's fine. That's uh, that's all good with me. I had a conversation. I'm talking about conversations, I suppose. I had a conversation uh, earlier this week with um, a colleague um, within the university, and we were talking about 
um, selling prints, selling photographic prints. And she's about to put on an exhibition of her work. And she asked me for some advice as to how much should she charge for her work. Um, I instantly sort of questioned her as to whether or not she felt that she wanted to make the work available through limited edition or through an open edition, because obviously that has a direct impact uh, on that price. I'm noticing increasingly nowadays that photographers are making their work available through open editions on that idea that an, an open edition's price uh, point is perhaps much lower than a limited edition and therefore it allows the photographer to sell a lot more work at a lower price point and therefore perhaps achieve a, a reasonable kind of revenue um coming in and i think also um make that work available to people who are perhaps um keen to own the image own the print start out in collecting photography but without the huge funds that are required either to go to auction and um, go to galleries or to go to dealers you know big events such as photo london and photo paris and so forth when vast amounts of money are put on prints not always perhaps prints that are worth the price that's being put on them reason i say that is because that whole marketplace for photographic prints now has become quite a gray area when it comes down to vintage prints, new prints, the quality of the print, the quality of the stock, whether or not that print has been made from an original neg by the original photographer, from a copy neg, how many editions there are of that particular image, different sizes, different stock, so on and so on and so on. We all know that that situation is going on and is now very well established. Strangely enough, I can remember being at Sotheby's, um, working there probably about eight, nine, uh, ten years ago, maybe now, and um, going to a photographic sale and seeing some really great work, original prints, going for actually relatively small amounts of money. The kind of figures that I see in local galleries, small galleries, that photographers are trying to achieve for their work. The work I'm talking about that was at Sotheby's was being presented by known named photographers. So from a collecting perspective, I suppose you could argue that that work has a certain cachet. If you're an unknown photographer, then that's much harder to actually, um, I feel, put a figure of over a thousand pounds or over 700 pounds, whatever it may be. Obviously, you need to meet your cost, your framing costs and your print costs. My advice to, to uh, my colleague was, what do you want to do? Do you want to sell more prints or do you want to take the risk on selling one? She said she was really happy that um, she sold more prints at a, at a lesser price. And in a way, I suppose that answered her own question for her. But I'm sure that that's a, um, a thought process, a discussion process, and something that a lot of you listening to this podcast either have been considering or will be considering in the future. Maybe it's something we will deal with in more detail in a future podcast. Um, as you can probably tell this week, the uh, man flu is on its last legs, and hopefully I've been uh, sounding a little clearer uh, this week. Um, still a little breathy, but um, hopefully that will clear up soon. 
Um, I'm going to do the coming week what I always say you should do. I'm going to take care. <laughs>